Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. We're going to talk about relationships. Y'all ready? You know, we're talking, the, the series is called Relation Slips. How many of you know that our relationships can slip? <laughs> we got a struggler right there. Um, they can slip. You know, when you think about some of the greatest relationships you have in your life, it, it, it all happened with a Yes. Some of the best relationships you've ever had in your life, they happened with a yes. And you said yes to somebody asking you out. You remember that? They asked you out. And I don't know if you realize this, but scientists have shown that, that when somebody asked you out, something actually happens to your brain. That when somebody asks you out, the blood rushes to your brain and your brain completely, actually completely shuts down. This is why when people around you, your parents or your close friends say, what are you thinking? You don't need to date that person. Don't get involved. You're like, he's awesome. She's amazing. It's funny, but it really happens. You, you like, when, when, when your brain is shut down, you actually start to even assign a certain kind of personality to that person that's really not their personality. You're seeing things that they're not. But it was easy to say yes. It's easy to say yes. Do you want to get married? Do you want to marry me? I mean, there are girls out there that, man, they, they'll say yes. Good. <laughs> Because they want a wedding. They're dreaming about the wedding. And, and like if, if you're a guy and like you want to get married, they'll probably say yes today. It's easy to say yes, right? We say yes to a lot of things, especially relationships. I was thinking about a, a couple things that I bet you'll say yes to. Is uh, l- Let me ask you this question. Is a girl more attractive if she orders a steak on the first date instead of a salad? Yes. No. If your wife or girlfriend loves an outfit, now men, be careful. If your wife or girlfriend loves an outfit that isn't flattering, should you tell her? All the ladies said, like men, if your wife is putting on something that doesn't like, she's putting on some pants that don't look that great, what do you, do you say something? Oh, the lady said, absolutely, yes. Does a healthier sex life lead to the husband cleaning the house? <laughs> or, or is it the other way around when they clean the house? It's called chore play. <laughs> Some of you men are gonna go home like, babe, what, what do you need me to do around this house? <laughs> I, you're like emptying this washer. You're cleaning that. You're like, man, get out of my way. I'm cleaning this house because you want your plate. 
Is an hour quality time doing something she loves better than a dozen roses? Yes, yes. It's easy to say yes. And, and again, we say yes to a lot of things and, and we, we specifically relationships. We, we start dating somebody. We say yes to the, to the, the, the wedding. We get married. We, we, we have a beautiful wedding and, and like you, you know, your photo shoot costs $10,000. Isn't, isn't it crazy how much it costs now? Like some of the old timers in here, you, you look at your picture and you're like, we barely found a camera. That was your photo shoot. But now, I mean, we spend crazy amounts. It's, it's a strategy. It's, it's incredible what happens. And that's the easy part. But then life starts to happen and you uh, have kids, you um, buy a fixer upper, you start fixing up the house and then you don't have time to really go on a date. So a, a, a quick date is going to Taco Casa real quick. And, and life starts to happen, your kids and um, problems, and then you start fighting. You start fighting about money and how you spend it. You fight about maybe how to discipline the kids. Uh, maybe it's trouble with the in-laws, uh, work frustrations, communication breakdowns, frequency and perspective on sex. It's like all kinds of stuff that we, we fight about. And it causes our relationships to slip. They just start slipping. And I, I thought it was really interesting that no wonder that 20% of marriages in their first five years fail. How, how does that happen? Stop for a moment. Five years or less before they were saying, yes, I do. Now, five years later, you're saying, no, I don't. What, what's happening? I think it's that we don't know how to do marriage. We don't know how to do relationships. A lot of us, what happens is we kind of thought, well, you know, I just want to find somebody and I, I want to get married and, and uh, they're going to, you know, and, and, and we have some false beliefs about what marriage looks like and what makes a great marriage. I want you to write this down. Saying yes on your wedding day is easy. Saying yes for the rest of your life is hard. Chip Ingram wrote this book called Marriage That Works, and um, he shared a story about how when um, he was growing up, his dad was a semi-functional alcoholic, and that's the kind of home he grew up in. It was very, very dysfunctional, and um, his wife that he married had been married before, and uh, she was married to a guy that thought it was more profitable to sell drugs and have affairs. And that's, they came together and um, started this journey and the wheels quickly started to fall off of their marriage and um, it looked really hopeless. And he says this, he says, the fundamental reason, it looked, again, it looked so hopeless and yet he writes this book because they've been married over 30 years 
And he tells you, he says, the fundamental reason we are still together and have the kind of marriage I always dreamed of, still with normal struggles, is that we learn God's design for the marriage relationships and committed to following it. We learned God's design and we committed ourselves to following the plan that God has for marriage. What, what design, what plan are you following? Are you willing to say, we are going to follow God's plan for marriage? The Bible is so clear about this. The clearest picture is the verse that God, that is found in Ephesians chapter 5, where God shows us the design he has for marriage. And listen to me, no matter how dysfunctional your marriage is, or no, no matter how dysfunctional it was for you growing up, no matter whatever, if you'll follow this, things will begin to work in your marriage. It says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission is the only way that marriage works. Mutual submission, it's where... I come together and my wife comes together and we are mutually submitted to each other. If you go into your marriage or your relationship thinking they're going to meet your needs, you're going to be disappointed. If you go into your marriage thinking that, that they're going to be there and, and uh, they're going to help fulfill me, you're going to be disappointed. I think there's couples here that you are wearing your spouse out trying to get them to fulfill you, to give you what they can't give you. Five years ago, you loved them and you were crazy about them, but there's something going on inside of you and you're trying to get your spouse to fix you. It doesn't work that way. It's mutual submission where we come together and we mutually submit ourselves. Gary Thomas wrote this book called Sacred Marriage and really addressing why a lot of us, we, we think that marriage is just there to make me happy and, and I, I, like, I, I need to be fulfilled and I'm looking for the person, perfect person to fulfill me. And he said this in his book, Sacred Marriage. If the purpose of marriage was simply to enjoy an infatuation and make me happy, then I'd have to get a new marriage every two or three years. Isn't that good? So it's not about making me happy, and it's not about just being fulfilled. There's got to be something else. And see, if you don't work with how God designs marriage, what you're doing is you're rejecting God's way. You're, you're rejecting what he says. See, if you're single here, I want you to look at me, and I want you to listen to me. I want you to know what you're getting into. You need to hear me when I say this, that, that before you get married, you need to ask yourself, am I willing to lay my life down for that person? Are you willing to give up what you want and your, what, 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 your ideas uh, um, and, and com, come together and mutually submit yourself to that person and serve one another? I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, are we willing to submit ourselves? 
Ephesians 5.31 says, a man, and this again is God's design for marriage, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So when you think about your marriage, how does it grow and how does it flourish? And I want to give you three commitments if you want to write this down, because these are three commitments that you need to be willing to make for your marriage to start to flourish. Number one, commit to resolve conflict ASAP. One of the reasons why couples fight so much and have conflict so much is a husband and wife are so different and and we're just different. I want you to watch this video. I think it illustrates it so perfectly. Fact of life, women always have more questions than men have answers to. Great example of this. Six, seven months ago, I get a text one day. The text says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. I walk into the kitchen where my wife is. I said, hey, I just got a text that said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, was he driving? I said, I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were Carol and the kids in the car with him? I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were the people in the other car hurt? I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. What hospital did they take him to? I don't know. I just got texted, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, well, you don't know anything. What do you know? I know you need to pray for Tom. I just got texted, said he was in a bad wreck. We're so different and we think so differently. And we're going we're gonna to dive into that a lot in the coming weeks, but you know, a lot of times it's easy to kind of look at, at your pastor and my wife, and we're, this year we're going to be celebrating 30 years. Uh, awesome. You might not be clapping in a few minutes. <laughs> we fight like anybody, any other couple. We, we, we got in a fight this last week. And um, Friday, I had a wedding rehearsal about an hour and a half away. And we went in my wife's car. We drove over there together. And uh, on the way back, we were driving back. And the, the check tire on her car, this little green little button came on and said, one of the tires wasn't, was, was possibly flat. And I got out and acted like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I kicked all four tires really hard. And my wife just rolled her eyes like, like, I'm like, they're good. And the issue was the next day, my wife, the next afternoon, my wife was going out of town to East Texas. And we started talking about how dangerous it would be to go out of town with that light on that we needed to find out what was wrong. Now I had the wedding and I, y'all got to hear my side of the story. Uh, (laughs) (coughs) Saturday night, I have the wedding. Saturday morning, I had already planned on studying for this relationship series. My wife says to me, hey, I've got some things to do tomorrow morning. Will you take my car to Discount Tire? There's two places I hate going. Walmart, and I can't stand going to Discount Tire. If you work there, don't get offended. It's just awful. 
didn't want to go. And listen, normally I take care of everything. My wife's the type of woman that she just like, take care of my car. I just want to drive it. So I normally am a good husband, but I, I was like the dumbest man on the planet the next few moments. Because I said, why don't you take your car tomorrow morning? I got a lot to do. You can go, just take it down there. Those guys know what they're doing. They'll fix it. And she's like, well, I really think you should take it because I got things to do. And that's where it started. And I'm like, I'm like, you like, babe, you, you may have to get new tires. And if you want to get something new and you're going to get it new, don't you think you should be there to pick them out? Like there's all kinds of different, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I was like, there's all kinds of different tires. She's getting mad. I'm like, babe, there's all kinds of different tires. You can be in there. You can pick the one you like. And she's like, no, you need to do this. And she's getting really mad. And finally she's like, I'll just take them fine. And then I felt awful, but I, I was like, but maybe I'll convince her to go. And I'm just telling you, this is how, how wrong I was. I, I was like, well, babe, why don't you go with me? Since you're going out of time, we can spend time together, quality time there, sitting there waiting for them to look at the tires. She's like, quality time at discount tires? And I, I, I couldn't shut my mouth. I kept on trying to convince her and we like got in this big old fight. And I'm telling you this to tell you that I was so wrong and everything within me wanted to kind of go, well, she needs to go take her car. It's her car. I'm busy. What's she going to go do? What's so important? And my, I was processing like that and I knew I was wrong and I, I needed to just break down and go tell her I'm sorry. And I went in there and I said, babe, I own this. I am totally wrong. And I want to apologize to you. Now, I, I wish I could tell you she, it was just all over right there. Because I wanted her to just like, oh, okay. And I'm like, are we okay? We're good. And she's like, I, I need some time to process. I'm processing. But we made it fine. And, 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 and I took it the next morning, got it done really fast. I was the first one in line. I know some of y'all hate me for that story. You're like, you're awful. But I'm just telling you that fights are normal. When you have two different individuals living together, I, I know some people tell me we never fight I'm, and, and you get to know them. You're like, well, one of those people have given up on that relationship. <laughs> they don't care. Whatever, whatever, whatever. When you have two people living together, you're going to have conflict. So you got to learn to, to resolve conflict ASAP. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. It doesn't, <coughs> it doesn't say don't get angry. That's my allergies. That's not COVID. So um, in, your al in your allergies, um, in your anger, don't get angry. It doesn't say don't get angry. It says don't sin. And, and again, there's going to be moments that you need to just apologize and say, I'm sorry. But other times you're not going to, when we, when we were first married, we used to think, well, the Bible says we got to, we got to take care of this till, so we're going to stay up till two or three in the morning until we get it done. And how many of you know, you can't think straight after two or three. I can't think straight after nine o'clock. Like 
All the old people said, amen. Isn't it the, the, awesome when you get to go to bed at nine o'clock? But we, we realized that what we, we needed to do is make a choice to say, you know, we're going to make the choice not to carry this anger over the next day, but we still got some stuff we need to resolve and we need to have a conversation about it. And so it's important. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, say bitter root, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. A lot of us have bitter roots inside of us. Bitterness is a root and it, it's, it grows underneath the surface. And what happens is that somebody frustrates you, your spouse frustrates you, and it's a two or a three. It's not that big of a deal, but it's a two or a three. What happens is you don't deal with it. You just shove it or stuff it. And it starts to become an eight or a nine. You meet people that are getting a divorce after five years or they're, they're and, and most people can't tell you why they're separated, why, why they don't love each other. They, they can't usually tell you, but what it is, is it's a, a thousand twos and threes that were let become an eight and a nine. They didn't resolve it. You, you got to resolve it. It's important. The best marriages are made up of people who are expert forgivers. Ephesians 4.2 says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. You make allowances. Now, let me just say this to you. If you're in a marriage where, where they're being abusive towards you, that, that scripture is not for you. You don't need to make allowances for somebody to be abusive towards you. You need to separate yourself until they can learn to, to, to treat you right create a boundary. But the rest of you, let me just say this. We need to learn to make allowances for, for each other, that there are going to be moments and understand that we're two sinners that, that have come together. And usually when a marriage, when a, when a relationship starts to slip, it's when one sinner thinks the other sinner is a worse sinner than they are. We're both sinners and we need to make allowances for each other, have conversations. Um, number two, commit to a Christ-centered marriage. Commit to a Christ-centered marriage. Matthew 7, 24 says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrent and the waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. Jesus says, a great marriage is built on a solid rock. Brad Wilcox, a leading sociologist, did he, he is, works at University of Virginia. He did a lot of studies on couples and why they stay, stay together. And one of the things that he said, that couples that attend church were 35% less likely to get a divorce. Church is important. I know... Listen, and I'm going to just say this to those of you that are watching online, and I've said it over and over. If you're watching online or joining us online because of health reasons, that's great. But if you're joining us online out of habit, you need to get to church. Your family needs church. Your relations, I think that's one of the things we learned through COVID is how important church is. And it's easy to kind of just go, well, you know what? We're not, we really don't have a Christ-centered marriage. We have a child-centered marriage. 
And in Mansfield, I think this is a big one. We have made our children the center of our marriage. One of the most destructive things, and listen to me, I don't, I'm not trying to offend you, but some of you are raising brats. Welcome to Creekwood. You're raising brats because you've made your marriage, your home, everything, it's child-centered. No, the greatest thing you can do for your child is to make it Christ-centered, to say, God is important, God is number one in our home, we're going to church. Uh, don't get me going on that. Oh, my word. <laughs> Do you know that this is another thing that they found? This is, this is fascinating to me. Couples that pray together, their divorce rate is less than 1%. Wow. Couples that pray together. Isn't it true that it's hard to pray together? It's awkward. Most men cannot be like affectionate without it leading to something, thinking it's leading to something else. Like ladies, you, you hold their hand and we're going to pray and they're like, won't let go of your hand. They're like, hey baby. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, my wife's probably going like this. <laughs> Don't do it. Pray together. Don't complicate this. If you know that it's going to help your marriage that much, that less than 1%, you ought to find something to pray about. Laying in bed, the last thing you do, turn the TV off, if you got a TV in your room, and pray together. Lay there together and say, let's pray together. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for my mom or whatever you want to pray for. Find things to pray for. And at, at first, it may be a little bit awkward, but it's important. Man, getting in church, praying together is huge. Uh, number three, commit to a covenant-keeping marriage. Commit to a covenant-keeping marriage. I know there are people here, you have a perfect marriage you have not fought yet, and I want to congratulate you on getting married this week. <laughs> but nobody has a perfect marriage, and, and what's going to happen is you're going to have moments of conflict, and, and, and everything inside of you is going to say, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of this. I, I don't feel like I just cannot do this anymore. And you're going to be tempted to sign the papers and move back into your parent with your parents. And I, I want to say this to you too, because I know there are people here that you've walked through a, a divorce and I want to say, we love you. And, and there are people here that you got, you walked through a divorce because of what somebody else did. You couldn't control. You can't control everybody. And you can't control other people. But those of you that, that you're in a relationship that it's tough, there has to be something bigger than, than we're just committed to each other. There has to be a level of what's going to keep you married and keep your marriage incredible is that you say, this is a covenant that we have together. I love what Melanie Shankel shares in her book, Antelope in the Living Room. And I, I just, I want to read this to you because um, you, I want you to hear her words. It says, when we were in our early 30s and it seemed like the right time to start a family, at least that was what our parents kept telling us. She said, I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage. Perry and I were heartbroken. But she writes, um, but I think these things affect women differently. While we both experienced a loss, it 
It was something that, ha- there, it was something that happened inside of my body between the hormones and the sadness. Something shifted in me. Depression settled in. And I spent a lot of time wondering how soon I could go back to bed. She writes, I can almost draw a line between before miscarriage and after miscarriage. We had financial struggles and other problems in our first five years of marriage. But this was the first thing that that we couldn't decide just to buck buck up and be positive about. The morning of my DNC, Perry, my husband, drove me to the hospital and was right there holding my hand before I went in. He was there when I woke up, and because he knows my love language, on the way home, he drove me through Chipley's Donuts to get a chocolate donut. She says, maybe it was the anesthesia, but I kept reaching for his hand and saying, I really love you. But I was speaking the absolute truth. I had never loved him more because of uh, up until that point, I didn't know that I'd ever been so aware of how much he loved me. It was the moment that I realized that he didn't just love me when I was fun or pretty or cooking spaghetti and meatballs. He loved me when I was hurting and depressed and wearing the same pajamas four days in a row. It was weird to say to say that after five years of marriage, but it was the first time I realized that he was going to stick with me for better or worse. We were in this thing. Even when it got ugly and smelled bad, and by it, I mean me. And I thought about this story and about how every human being on the planet wants to be loved like that. That you want to be loved no matter what. You want somebody to love you. That'll say. I love you unconditionally. No matter what. That's a covenant. A contract or a commitment says, I love you as long as you don't gain weight. I love you as long as you do all this and that. (coughs) A covenant says, I love you no matter what. What if today, look at me. What if today you were to say yes? To I'm sticking with this no matter what. What if today you were to say yes? Let's push through this together. Yes, I'm with you no matter what. I'm with you. Through all the bad smells, I'm with you. Through everything, I am with you. I want to pray for you today. And you know, I I've been praying over this series, and I 
I want you to be healed. Y'all may not love each other right now. And you may be like, man, it's slipping and slipping and like I'm ready to bail out of this thing. But there was a day you loved each other. There was a day you were crazy about each other. And this is about a covenant and saying, God, I trust you so much. You're going to heal my marriage. You are going to, you, you, our marriage is going to flourish. I, I want to pray for you today. And I want to ask you to bow your heads and Father, I pray for every person in this place. I pray for all of us, God. May we learn to do life your way. God, I know we live in a world that tries to tell us culturally what's right and wrong and how to, how to live and how to be, but God, help us to realize it's right in front of us that your word, God, can be a light God, help us to commit ourselves, God, to being there for each other. Commit ourselves to sticking it out no matter what. Father, I pray over marriages that these next few weeks, God, that you would do a supernatural miracle. God, I pray that stories would, would come out of this place, God, that that. Things are different in marriages. God, that marriages are flourishing. We thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.